This week's guest is someone that I've wanted to have on the show for a long time. He has inspired me both as a birder and as an atlaser through his posts on Facebook over the last few years. This week's guest is well-known birder Peter Verstaer, and what excites me is that this week's episode is going to both help newer birders as well as people that are more experienced birders. So do you want to add more birds to your list while at the same time making a valuable contribution to conservation? Well, this is the episode for you. Peter will share all about his passion for atlasing and how he uses tools such as Birdlasser and the Sabab2 website to grow his list and improve his birding experience. So sit back and enjoy the show. This is the Birding Life Podcast. It's exciting to welcome the arrival of spring in Southern Africa and Westermans offers a wide variety of quality products to attract more birds to your garden in this great season. Available at various pet and lifestyle retailers across South Africa, online and in-store, Westermans for the love of birds. The Birding Life Podcast is your weekly dose of news about birds, birders, conservation, gear, books and well anything that we think birders will love to hear about. So welcome to the show. One of the easiest ways that you can help us to grow the show is to tell somebody else about the show. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell someone else about it. And while you're at it, send us a direct message on any of our social media platforms or send us an email at info at and tell us where you listen to the show from. We would love to get to know you better. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. One of my passions is atlasing. And over the last couple of years, I've been following Peter Fistaz atlasing over um, Facebook and over various social media platforms and just a few articles. And I've really been inspired by his approach to atlasing. And I'm really excited to have a chat to Peter. So I want to welcome you to the show today. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to share my passion and also some of our thoughts with, with, um, you know, with everyone around. So I just think just as a starting point, before we speak about atlasing, I just thought that a lot of people might not know what atlasing is. This goes onto radio stations where people might not be birders. What is atlasing in a nutshell? Yeah, so I think I think atlasing in a nutshell, just, just very briefly, is is basically taking those observations that you're seeing in the field, um, you know, entering it into a into a specific um system or into a specific uh, program. Um, so something called uh, bird lasser, which is really very friendly to do that, and then that that basically is um, you basically upload that um, you know those those uh, observations you had during these uh, periods uh, into a central database, and the central database basically combines all this information from all the different um, atlases around the country um, to give us really phenomenal output and phenomenal stats, and we can we can track things and see our the seasonal movements and different different birds moving over different areas, and also see what you know what change uh, happens when when we as human beings uh, interact in certain areas and, and certain ways. So yeah, that's it in a nutshell. So I've just done my two hundredth full protocol atlas card, but you've done an impressive nearly two thousand full protocol atlas cards. So let's go back to the beginning. How did this love for atlasing start for you? Yeah, before before I started that, I, I just need to to really warn the people that atlasing is very very addictive. So you can see, I've almost done two thousand cards in, in probably around seven, uh, just just or well, actually just just under eight years. So it's really something that that becomes part of a lifestyle. It, it's something that just just so much joy you get so much joy out of it. So yeah, I really I really hope um, that this will inspire other people to also you know join in. 
basically in 2014, um, I planned to do a, a marathon in Sasselberg on a Saturday. And uh, at that stage, I had a life list of 392 species. Um, and I was, I was interested in birding, um, but, but yeah, it wasn't something that was, that was massively number one priority in my life yet. But I did Google, um, Sasselberg and birds and, and just to try and see, is there anything maybe in, in Google that, you know, give me some species that I haven't seen before. And a name came up, um, a name, a guy by the name Davi Kleinholms came up. And, and next to that, I was reading a number of species that he saw and, and, uh, that really, that was something I haven't had before. I'm like, Oh, that's wow. That's pretty cool. I, I haven't got these species, you know? And then actually I kept on reading and I saw that he, you know, he actually, there was something about atlasing and sabab and I clicked on the link and it brought up this list of species that was actually in the block where he stayed. Now I went through that list and I, I couldn't believe it. I had like 12 or 15 species that, that I've never seen. So I felt now, wow, this is a great thing. I'm, I need to stay an extra night. I'm going to uh, offer the marathon on Saturday. I'm going to sleep over. And then I'm going to uh, the next day go and try and this birds. I also thought at the same stage, um, you know, this Darby Clannon's probably, um, you know, his name or number, something is going to come up. So I kept on Googling him. And then ultimately I, I saw he was leading another, at another outing and uh, actually had a contact number. So I thought I'm going to try my luck. And yeah, I called him up and I said, listen, my name is Peter. I'm from Pretoria. You know, I'm coming up. Are you maybe, um, are you maybe able to show us around? Wow. And this is one thing that I will never forget. I, I, he was super kind. Um, we picked him up on the Sunday and he, he was atlasing and he did it with so, so much passion. So yeah, I think that's the big thing. If you go with someone that is, that is excited and really enjoy what he's doing and, and the way he was atlasing, I, I literally just got hooked just, just by looking at his passion and enthusiasm. So yeah, I, um, don't tell you, I didn't warn you, but yeah, if you come with me or come with someone at Atlas a lot, um, and you go out with them for one day, you are bound to get into a very addictive, <laughs> um, little hobby. So yeah, that's how the process started for me. And then since that day, yeah, basically it's just become part of life. Everywhere you go, you look at, you know, what can you do? Where can you, can you push two hours? Where can you do a card? So very exciting. Two things that birders love is the Birdlasser app, like you've already spoken about. The other thing is the SAB app to database, the website. I think it's the website I use more than any other website. So tell tell the listeners a little bit a, bit, a little bit more about the detail that they can. Let me say this. Let me say the second part here again. So tell the listeners in a bit more detail about how they can use it. Yeah. So so the SubUp database um, is 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 very. It's a, it's an extremely user friendly and, and nice and easy database. But the big thing is it's it really is. It's all about give and take. You know, it's all about give and take. And I would say, in the beginning. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's okay for you to, um, you know, basically be, be almost like a parasite and just get from the system what you need, uh, what you want, what you want to try and get from it and how it can help you, you know, to find new species for, for certain areas or just to get a lot of information around, you know, certain areas you're visiting. Um, but that's just the one part of it. It's really retrieving information or getting information. And we'll, we'll speak about it quite a bit more detail in the next, the next bit. But the other side of it is really to, to also contribute to this database. So, and that's where, where it becomes exciting, you know, really exciting is to see your own, your own efforts and your own contribution where you uploading and feeding the system, you know, to help with conservation, help with science and also help other people, you know, tomorrow or in two days time, someone may just pick up the stats that you've been, or pick up the areas that you've been and I can see what you've seen and, and really help them to, to also grow their lists, 
um, and everything. So it's all about give and take. In the beginning, yeah, be a parasite and use the data for your own personal benefit. But yeah, don't don't just leave it there. Also start contributing and, and, and really uh, feeding the system with information and helping with science and helping other people to connect with, with birds as well. Yeah, and I really agree with what you say. They are, one of my frustrations with a lot of people is they use the SABAP2 website for their own means. And there's, there's, there's a part that we all do with that. But like you said, it's not just using it for your own goals. It's also about using it to share information with others and to, to contribute to the site and to contribute to the database. So let's look at using the system first. How do you go about this to plan your next adventure or your next birding outing? Yeah, so so I'm going to start with a couple of 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 of, of more introductory or easy easy ways, and then we'll we'll go into the little bit more advanced things, which I think is is also very interesting for our you know more more experienced birders. So the first things first is, and a really really easy thing first is is really just to pull a list of birds for the immediate area where you are. So that may be your home pentad, so maybe where you know you're staying in Pretoria or in Centurion, and you're interested to know which species are are being seen or are seen in, in, in the immediate area where you are. So that's something that can very easily be done on a on the SABAP website. Um, I mentioned earlier that you can um, you, you just get the, the, the app Birdlasser, and immediately if you open the the Birdlasser app um, and you go to the map, you just uh, look at the map and it will immediately tell you in which block you are. You take that little digit, it's a it's an eight-digit code, and you just enter that eight-digit code within the SABAP2 website. So it's really simple. You just Google SABAP2, and there's a little thing that says um, quick find pentad, and you just go to Birdlasser, you, you open the map, you see in which block you are, and you just go and enter that block number within the um, within the SABAP website, and immediately it will give you a wonderful list of all species that, that have been seen in this block. Um, it will, what it also does, which is really, really, really cool, is it will give you the um, reporting rate of each species. So you can rank it and you can sort it to see which species is the most common or all the way down to the less common species. So that is that is the first uh, very, 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 very powerful usage. And you can do that anywhere you go. Let's say you're going to Mschlanga or you're going to Cape Town. Um, and as soon as you're in a certain area, you want to know what species are here, go to Birdlasser, check the code, go to SABAP, enter the code in SABAP, and boom, you have a list of all the birds that's been atlased and, and, and contributed by other scientists as yourself. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing, which, which is a little bit more advanced, I say we're getting into the more, more difficult things or more advanced things, is if you want to start looking at a bit of a bigger area. So now you're going on, let's say, a week-long trip, and you're going to the south coast, and you've never been there before, and you not just want to spend some time on one pentad, but you actually want to know what species can I actually encounter in a bigger area? Maybe you think there's going to be three or four days where you're going to spend, you know, one or two pentads a day. Maybe you're going to do eight or nine or ten pentads. And you're actually interested to increase your life list or your KZN list. And you're not quite sure what to expect or what to find or or anything like that. So what, what I then suggest as opposed to pulling a pentad list, list is basically to do what is called a pentad group. So again, um, I'm not going to speak about all the details, but just remember the word pentad group. And a pentad group is where you group a, a, a couple or a few adjacent pentads in the system. So you say, I want to see pentad A to B, uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, uh, this, this block. And you can actually pull that block any way you want in any rectangular or, or square um, area. So I generally use a 3 by 3 um, pentad grid around my the, the base that I'm going, but you can use like a four to four by five to get a bit of an idea about the bigger area. 
And that, that is really powerful. So now you actually got a list of all species that's been seen within this 3x3 or 9x9 or uh, 4x5 area. And also, again, you can rank it high to low and see what is reporting rate and, um, and really um, see, see maybe target what you're interested in. Uh, just as a general guideline, I generally see any bird with a greater than 10% reporting rate, you should be able to get with some level of comfort. Um, you know, maybe spending a little bit of time in the right habitat, you can get that, and we'll, we'll speak about habitat now. A bird with a below 10% reporting rate, you may find a little bit more tricky, and you might need to get a little bit of specific gen from someone in the area, but we'll also speak about that. The last really awesome way to use the, the system um, is, is really if you want to start adding to your provincial provincial lists. Now, this is um, this is more advanced um, advanced usage of the system. This is where we're looking at actually combining a couple of systems and, and, and doing lookups. But it is something that I think a lot of users really found very, very interesting. And that's where you may be interested. Let's say I'm interested in my Limpopo list. It's something that I recently uh, have taken some interest in. So I've got a list of 470 species, and, and I want to know what else is out there. Limpopo is a huge province. Um, I don't know it well. I don't stay there, so I don't really know a lot. Um, I don't know what I need. I actually don't know where to go. I don't know what to need. So what I do is I use BirdLasser, and it's very easy. You can just go into BirdLasser Life List. You export that data um, into Excel, and what is nice is BirdLasser then um, uh, gives a reference for every bird that you've got on your list. So all 470 birds have got the got a reference. Now the Sabab guys were very smart. They use that same reference number as well in their databases. So what I then do is I go to Subup and I ask for Subup to give me a, prov a provincial list. So similar to a Pentad group, what Subup has done, they've already pre-populated uh, provincial groups. So they've added all the Pentads in a province. So you can ask uh, Subup to give you a province list. And then I download that province list, uh, sorted high to low again, um, and, and, and I've got, and I'm using my, my personal uh, bird list of what I've seen. And I look the two up. So I look at the two up and then I basically can see, okay, in Limpopo, there has been 570 species at last over the, you know, by all the users over all the years. I, I then got 470 of these and a simple lookup will tell me that these hundred species I haven't seen. And then I, I, I saw them high to low. So I can see, okay, these hundred species I haven't seen. These are the easiest ones. Those are the hardest ones. And once I've got that list, now I know exactly what to find. And now it becomes a lot, lot more easier to start targeting. So what I then lastly do is I then take the individual species that I know that I need. And I go and again, type it into to, to, to Subup. And I can see in which pentads have they seen, have they been seen uh, within the province. And then I just go hover over the map and I see anything general, general rule of thumb. If, if a bird is over 20% in a pentad, I know that's something that I can definitely quite easily find with a little bit of, of hard work. Um, and so I, I target those pentads with, with, um, any species rate above 20% of those I need in, inside the province. So that's kind of the, the way that I go, go about that. Um, um, just to, 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 to use it, use the system to target whether it's in an individual pentad, a little bit of a, uh, uh, an area that I'm visiting, or a complete or combined province. We'll look in a bit more detail later on, now that I know what I can find, you know, basically where to go and find that, but we'll look at that in a, in a bit. Sure, a lot to take in there, and this is something I'll definitely have to go back and listen to again. There's so much valuable information and really, really inspiring. And I know a lot of listeners are going to go listen to this and be inspired to, to go out and get more birds and to Atlas, hopefully, 
The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lasser bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part, download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. If you enjoy the content that you're listening to, one of the ways that you can support this podcast is by supporting the Birding Life's online store. We sell a wide range of birding products with fantastic prices and even better service. We sell optics such as Vortex, Bushnell, Swarovski, Zeiss, and a whole lot more. We also stock a wide range of Westerman's products, Birding Life merchandise, books, and a whole lot more all to help you as a birder. Check out the store on our website, www.thebirdinglife.com. If you have any questions about any products or need any assistance, feel free to drop us an email on info at thebirdinglife.com. For the benefit of listeners, can you elaborate a little bit more on how you estimate the number of species that you are likely to get in a given area, given the amount of time that you will spend in that area? Yeah, and that's something that I also use a lot because I love to say, set myself some personal challenges. We even we even name the pentads uh, when when we go out. You 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 give your your day or your trip list a name, and we even we 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 often give the na- the, the pentad list. Uh, um, sorry, the the pentad that you're going to do for the day name, and we'll call it something like um, Rudaplot 120. So before we even go, we know we've got six hours and we want to see, can we get to our target of 120 species or, or not? And, and that's something that's fun. It's, it's lovely. Me and my wife, we atlas together. And, uh, you know, all the time we, we'll be checking, oh, we're a little bit behind the clock, you know. We need enough five birds. Let's try and get it. You know, it's, it's, it's exciting. But how do you know how much can you find? So basically what you can do, and this is a, this is quite a good uh, rule of thumb. So again, you look at the pentad. You, you take the pentad that you're going to atlas. Let's say we take the Umschlange pentad. We're going to go there today. And basically what we are saying to ourselves is we want to rank the birds. We enter the, the, the pentad number into suburb. And then we rank the birds from the highest to the lowest reporting rate. It's just a click of a button. It sorts it for you. And then you go and you see how much time you have. So inside two hours, I find that you can find all uh, the number of species up to 40% reporting rate. So let's say the highest bird reported is a harida, second one maybe a bulbul, and maybe they are 90% and 89. And you go all the way and you see what is the 40%. What is the 40% bird and how many birds are above 40% reporting rate? That is a good guidance for you on how many birds you can find in two hours. So if you look at the pentad and you see there's, there is 65 birds um, with a 40% reporting rate or more, then you know you can find 65 birds in two hours. And that's also the minimum time that you need to spend to submit a full protocol card. If you've got a morning, let's say you've got a proper morning, maybe 6 o'clock to 11, so you've got five hours of birding, you can get the number of species, you can get it up to the 25% rate. So now you ask yourself, how many species got a 25% or more reporting rate in the spent ad? And maybe that could be 100 species. So you know in five hours I can find 100. If you spend a full day, so a full day for us is always a, a proper full day. It's not a it's not a work day. It's not a it's not an eight to four day. We we generally see that as a five a five to seven or five to six day. But a full day you can get up to the fifteen percent mark. So if there is hundred and twenty species with a fifteen percent reporting rate or more, that is the number of species that you can find in a full day in that one pentad. Just for completeness sake, if you spend two if you were to spend two full days. You can get up to the number of species up to the 10% reporting rate. 
And in three to five days, you can get up to 7%. Now, that is great uh, information for you because if you look at and compare different pentads with the 7%, the number of species with 7% or more or more um, uh, um, reporting rate, you can quite easily then also see which pentas has got the ability to give you very high cards, you know, 150 cards or even 200 plus cards, which which is is, is possible. But you need to get, you know, a penta that's got a high reporting rate of 7% and more species. Now, there's a couple of extra things just to remember. These um, numbers that I spoke about are valid for, for if you if you basically... Once you for two hours, forty percent is is good, irrespective if you if you spend all um, if you spend time in all the habitats or not. But to get the other uh, targets, you need to spend time in all the habitats. So the five hours, the full day, the two days, and the three to five days is only valid if you spend time in all the major habitats in the area. Also, you need a pretty decent knowledge of calls, so you can't just um, you won't get these numbers if you only know birds by by eyes. You need to have it. You don't need to be a uh, Perfect, but you need to know the basic calls for most of the birds. And then lastly, you also need to be willing to do a bit of walking. We find that driving by car reduces your numbers by around, around about 20%. Um, but if you're willing to climb out and, and walk a bit, you know, you're definitely putting yourself on the front foot. Um, for a variety of reasons, you, you you end up flushing a couple of things that you didn't see on the car. But also just being outside, you you can hear a lot more. Um, and you just, yeah, you just, you just see more, you know, when you're out. So, so also, um, also remember that. And then the last very important thing, the numbers that I mentioned now are for, for summer, for summer cards. If you are in, in the high felt or anywhere in, in, um, yeah, most of the high felt areas, you can reduce these numbers by 25% in, in the winter. So if, let's just say in a five hour, uh, in a five hour, um, I said uh, you can find birds with 25% or more. Um, so let's just say there's 100 birds with 25% or more in Centurion, in my in the bender that I'm doing. Then what it means is in, in the summer, in five hours, I'll find 100 birds. In winter, that reduces by 25%. So I'll find 75 birds in, in the five hours in winter. Now, what is quite uh, interesting is when you go to lower-lying areas, such as in some of the some of the um, areas in the Kruger National Park, some of the low-lying areas, you get a little bit of winter migration. So you actually get species moving into that area in the winter. So I find that uh, the reduction rate in winter in those areas are not 25%, but only 20 So if I go to Mschlange in five hours and, and the reporting rate uh, is, is, is 25%, there's 100 species there with a reporting rate more than 25%, I'll find 100 in summer and 80, so just 20% reduction in winter as you start to get these uh, winter migrants into the area. And that's something that you learn so much from these things. You just, I couldn't believe some of the winter migrants into Komadi Poet, for instance, on a recent trip. Um, and, and so, yeah, so winter is also very interesting uh, for, for this. I think, Peter, as you're speaking there about the time that you need to spend in the pentad and how the time you spend starts to increase the amount of species that you'll see, it just, for me, reinforces the value of atlasing your local pentad a lot because obviously that's the place that it's the easiest to spend a lot of time in. For sure. No, that's, um, and that's also where you, where you, where you learn your, your basics. You know, that's really where you start to learn habitat. You start to learn. So, for instance, when, when I started birding this pentad, you know, I, 
uh, after about a year or two years, uh, I had about 170 in my own bent dad. And I met Jason Boys, which is a good good friend of us. And and he just opened our eyes to different things, you know. So so also always try and bird with better birders. You know, that's something you learn so much. I learned from Habitat. And before you 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 know, you actually increased your, your own pentat list from 170 to 250. And that skills you learn there, you know, quite easily within close to a house, you apply those skills also outside to to really, you know, increase your birding skills and your numbers and your just what you get and how you get it in, in other places. So, yeah, definitely uh, home is the best place to, to start. So now you've spoken about how we can work out roughly how many species can be found in different pentas, different areas. So how does one know where to go and look for the birds in a specific area? Yeah, so that's that's a very, very important question. You've got all the knowledge you need, and now all you need to do is to actually go and find a bird. The first critical thing, and you cannot get past that, is, is habitat. Birds are extremely habitat-specific. So it's something that, that I learned um, and, and I'm not a specialist in in actually looking at trees and those things. I don't actually know all, all the different things. So I wouldn't actually know if someone told me to go and look in this tree or this type of tree for a certain bird. But what I do know is I know from history, when I've seen this bird in this area, these other five birds are also in the same area. And and that's how I can I can I can uh, remember it. So if I go to one area and I know these five or six birds are in the same area, and I find one of those birds in a different area, I know I can also look for the other five birds. So the first thing is habitat. It it really really you have to you have to start getting used to that. And, and something very simple when you look at the at the main uh, habitat types within the the bushveld is there's really the the more the acacia type birds, and then there's more the broadleaf type birds. And those two are very distinct, uh, different different birds, and they different, like different habitats. So, if you if you go after the the broadleaf birds, which are generally harder to find, and they are generally lower in, in numbers, but they're generally higher in specials. So, if you look for for broadleaf birds, you know, such as bushveld pipit or pale flycatcher, green cap or mamala, um, you know, th- those those birds you need to get into broadleaf habitat. So you can't find them in the acacia. So again, if you find one of these birds in a specific area, you're not sure, am I in broadleaf, am I in acacia? You find one of the birds, you know, oh, actually I'm in broadleaf now. So I must start to expect these other birds also in this, the same area. So that's the one area not everyone knows. Um, it's not something you, it's something you learn with, with time. But there's other ways. There's, there's ways like, for instance, okay, I know I'm targeting this bird. Go to a Facebook group. There's like Western Cape Birding Chat. There's KZN Birding Chat. There's Birding Gen on Facebook. So ask people. Another very, very powerful way is to look at who's actually atlasing in these areas. Who's the people that work and atlas in these areas? And that is, uh, that's a great benefit. Most atlases are very helpful. And just ask them, you know, I want to maybe help me, maybe let me go with you, or where can I find the species? So use the knowledge of people and, and also remember to, 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 to also assist other people, you know, when they ask you. And the last thing is, if you really don't know where to go find it, you really know in which block it is. There's only so much area in a block. So just, you know, just spend enough time. Spend enough time and you, uh, you, you'll end up, you know, stumbling across the right habitat to get the species you, you, you want. So those are the, are the practical uh, ways of finding what you need within, within that area. And I think just a uh, personal testimony from my side, a little bit of echo there. Okay, cool. So it's gone, sorry. Yeah, and I think just a little bit of a, uh, personal test me from our side, which is really exciting. You know, you spoke about the importance of habitat and all those things. But what I've what I've learned is um, is that when you get out there, you start to to learn the habitat that the habitats that birds start to show up, in. and it's quite unusual because 
there's certain, like, for example, one of the birds I need for my year list this year is a greater honey guide. And I can't tell you all the fancy terminology about where to find the bird in the area, but I know there's a specific place, a specific habitat. When I go to that place, that that's the place I find the bird. And I think the reason for that is, is because I've just gone and I've atlas those places again and again. And I think there's almost this, this pre-knowledge you have, but when you go and you start atlasing, your knowledge just grows exponentially. It just, it, it, it just goes, it's crazy how, how quickly you start to understand habitats and where to find different birds. And, and I think, like you're saying, that only happens through experience. And, and the more you get on Atlas, the more that experience starts to grow quickly. 100%. And I mean, if we just look at this wood warbler, just, just as, as an interesting fact, this wood warbler has been around, mega rarity, first time in South Africa. It stays in this very small area for 20 days. I mean, it travels 10,000 kilometers to go and stay in a, in a little square of 50 meters by 20 meters. What does that tell you? It, it really tells you birds are habitat specific. When they're happy with the habitat, they stay there and that's where you'll find them. So I think that's a very good example or very good, um, yeah, just a very good example for us to, to show us how specific habitat specific birds are. So yeah, we've gone through this whole chat and I know I'm very excited. Like I said, I want to go and listen again and again and, and apply the things I've learned. I love atlasing. I love going through the numbers. And I think this has really inspired me to go a whole lot deeper. But let's go a little bit a little bit deeper and a little bit for those that are – let, let's, let's ask a question. For those that are listening who say, hey, Peter, this is fantastic. I'd love to start atlasing. How can, how can I start my atlasing journey? And there might also be some people that are listening and saying, well, um, am, I, am I a good enough birder to be a citizen science, uh, citizen scientist. So, how can how can people get started? And will um, will they? Can, can I, let me ask that question again. Sorry, I'm trying to take the whole thing in. It's quite small font. Sorry about that. Okay. So, yeah. So, so, Peter, you've gone through this whole thing, and it's really exciting. I'm really excited to go and apply what I've learned. And you know, you know, going through the numbers is really, really exciting. But I can imagine there are listeners that say, "Yo, I'm really excited to get started with this." And there might even be people listening and saying, "You know, am I am I good enough? Am I good enough birder to be a citizen science?" So, will how can people get started? And pe- and will people with a very limited knowledge of birding will that detract from the system? No, that's a that's a great question, and and I think I think it's something that that maybe limits a lot of people to start. They just they're just scared and and worried that their, you know, maybe their contribution will actually detract from the system as opposed to add to it. So I think I think um, very very important um, thing we must we must all understand is all of us start somewhere, and if I you know I was also a bit nervous about this you know when I just started, but if you have you know, 400 people and, you know, none of, all of them are too scared to start, then the, the system is, is only, you know, it's only going to be so many people that contribute. But if those 400 people start and, and, you know, they make, you know, there's a couple of things that's not perfect in the beginning, but, you know, in a year from now, you've got 300 extra really skilled people. So that's the whole thing is, is allow yourself a little bit of time um, and, and, and don't be, and, and maybe follow these next practical uh, guidelines. I would say number one, Look, look for names of people that Atlas in your pentad or in the block where you stay and, and just reach out to them. I mean, Telegram and things like that, most people are in birding groups. Ask them to join. So you can just go with a, an existing Atlas or just to see what they do and, and you'll learn so much from an outing like that. So I think that's the first thing. Number two is, is um, you know, generally speaking, uh, the limit 
you, you need to spend at least two hours in a pen type to, to, to submit the data for a full protocol card. I would say when you're starting out, maybe increase that to three to four hours. So maybe in two hours, you can only find 20, 30 species. But if you go to three to four hours, you can, you know, you'll find the 40, 50 species, which is probably more representative of which someone more experienced would have found in two hours. So just maybe increase right in the beginning, increase your time a bit so that you don't like, uh, you know, but you just give yourself a bit more time to find a representative number of species in the area. And as you get more and more skilled, you'll see, wow, now actually in, in, in four hours now, I don't find 50, I'll find 70. And now you can start reducing your time to two hours and then submit um, as, as you want. So that's the, the other thing. Again, when in doubt, leave it out. Um, the understatement is 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 not as uh, as bad, but it, it is quite a problem if we start atlasing birds that that's not really there. Um, so if you're not sure about a certain species, you know, rather leave it out. And that's always the thing. Um, but then one last thing, and I think this is something that that our listeners. Um, you can really take some comfort in. We all make mistakes. I mean, when you're learning, when you're out there learning, we make mistakes. We're not we're not perfect, and and certainly no one expects you to be. Um, there is something like a vetting system. So what will happen is uh, your data will go into the system, and there's somebody sitting behind it, and immediately it will trigger to say this species has never been seen in any of the of the surrounding nine block area where where you've atlas a species. Then the veteran will come and it will, it will give you basically an, an out-of-range form. And now you have to submit data to prove that you've actually seen this bird. So immediately you can you can say, well, ooh, actually, I'm not so sure anymore. And you can tell the guy, rather leave it off. So that's a very, very good system. It's not everything you'll, you'll submit will just immediately be accepted. So there is that last safety net. But yeah, definitely the, the first prize is to get it right. Um, leave it out if you're not sure, spend a bit more time and just go with someone that's uh, already doing it and they will quickly uh, teach you and, and, and really make you feel at home. And maybe the last thing is, is start to learn the calls of at least the basic birds. Um, that, that's a very good point as well, just to make sure that you, you know comfortable with the very basic calls in, in that area, which is not too, too complex, especially if we, if we hear it often. So it's like you were saying when you started this conversation Atlasing is addictive and it's lots and lots of fun. Um, which practical ways can you encourage birders um, out there to make atlasing even more fun? Yeah, this is my this is really my favorite portion. So I love I love this there's this many different things. I love games. It's 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 who I am. I, I love I've always just loved to make a game of things. So the first thing I do is I set my own personal atlas goals. And those are never it's never competitive against other people. It's always something that's com- competing or testing myself, you know, against myself. And so therefore I'll, I'll I'll put in certain things like I want to achieve a certain number of cards per year maybe, or maybe maybe I want to atlas a certain number of species. So something I try and do, for instance, is I want to try and add 200 birds on a full protocol card and my home paint that every year. So that's just something I challenge myself on and I'm sitting on 175 for this year. So I've got another 25 to go. It's it's getting quite tough now, but that's that's a challenge that I like and I, and I enjoy that and it keeps me going. Or something else that I've done um, that's, that's really also fun is to, to say, okay, actually I want to find 100 species in all 25 blocks around my house. So I did a grid of, of five by five pentads, so 25 pentads. And I, um, over over a period of two to three years, I've basically tried to get 100 species on one card in every one of these blocks. And wow, that, 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 that was so interesting. And it really, really increased my knowledge of what the places around my house, 
different habitats and all the cool stuff you can find. And you and you force yourself to go to places that you never thought there would be 100 species. And you go like, wow, but there's actually 100 species even here. So that's really, really fantastic. And the, the amount of knowledge you get from that is just from getting a lot of species in an area that you didn't think is that bird rich, that's very, very rewarding. So that's the first thing is the own goals. The second thing is to join an Atlas Bash. The Atlas Bash is so much fun. You are working together with other people in a remote area of low cards and everyone goes out, drives and goes in a different direction in the morning. In the evening, they get together and I just talk all the war stories out there, all the great stuff they found and the interesting surprises and uh, all the exciting things over, you know, over a beer, over a bride. And uh, all the time you're working together on, on covering um, very lowly Atlas area. So an Atlas bash is fantastic fun. A last thing we do a lot is what we call a Pentag Big Day. Now, Pentag Big Day is is, is is a cool concept that we've created. So we get a number of people together and we all start in different corners of, of the same Pentad. So we use our Pentad or we go to another Pentad close by and we say, everyone starts in a different, different corner of the Pentad. And what we do is we create a WhatsApp group and every all the sightings we see, see in the morning, we share on this WhatsApp group and we see how many species can we get in this block in one day as a group of people. And then 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock for lunch, we, we call it a day, we join up and, and we have a lunch together, we have brunch together, we look at the crazy species we found, all the all the interesting things, where everyone started, which corners they went, what, where, which routes they drove. And it's so much fun and, and really, um, really, really enjoyable. So yeah, those are practical ways to, to make your atlasing even more fun, usually involving other people, because if it's just for yourself, just by yourself, you know, that's, it's a bit, uh, it could be a bit um, lonely, but as soon as you attract and, and, and join with other people, that's when atlasing becomes at its absolute best. Yeah, no, I agree with you totally. I think the just like birding has this community, atlasing has this fantastic community. And when you get connected to people, you start sharing your passion. It's really, it's fantastic. Peter, it's been fantastic to chat to you. Um, yeah, I'll probably have a lot of questions from guests uh, or, or from listeners and they can pop questions in and I'll forward them to you. But it's been really a fantastic conversation and I really, uh, really appreciate your time and looking forward to you know, applying this in the field and, and yeah, maybe having you in a future episode again. Oh, thank you very, very much for having me. Um, I really hope we inspired some people and, uh, yeah, don't, uh, don't blame me if, if you become addicted like me. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Adam. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. We'll pop a link to the SABAP2 website in the show notes. If you have any comments or any questions with regards to today's episode, feel free to drop us an email on info at thebirdinglife.com. Don't forget to check out our website, www.thebirdinglife.com. So, until next time, be blessed and happy birding.